0: My name is Tim Porter. I'm one of the pastors here for Faith Community Church. Thank you so much for joining with us today in the room. It's good to have a full room, and if you are here uh, visiting with us because you know somebody who's getting baptized, thank you so much for being here with us today. It is an honor to uh, gather together with you, and I hope you uh, experience a little bit more of Jesus together with us as we uh, celebrate and worship and baptize together online. Thank you so much for joining today as well. If you're in the deer blind right now, uh, like I was a couple weekends, ago joining in on the service. I hope you don't miss that deer, and uh, I hope you get meat in your freezer. So um, it is good to be together. So um, Shannon mentioned in our welcome time that... I'm going to be closing out our series called Made for This Moment. You just saw the video for that series. And in this series, we've been talking a lot about uh, how the church has this unique opportunity right here, right now, and especially faith community has a, has a unique time, a unique place uh, right here, right now. Uh, we are made for moments like this, and moments like this are made for us. And we've been talking about the importance of community throughout this whole series. And each sermon has been about a community, a community of hope, a community of prayer, a community of healing. Today we're talking about a community of life, community of life, and we're going to be celebrating baptisms today, and I'll be saying a little bit more about baptisms, but today I want to focus on life. You're going to see on those who are coming up out of the water being baptized that they're going to be wearing a t-shirt that says new life on it. And you've heard Shannon already say that here at Faith Community, we wanna help everyone uh, discover and live a gospel-inspired life. What does it look like for us as a church to be a community of life that is inspired by the gospel and live the life that Jesus gave us to live? That's the question that I wanna look at today. In the passage that we're gonna learn from today, uh, a key verse for us is found about Jesus saying what he came to do and he came to give abundant life. And so today, I wanna ask three questions or seek to answer three questions together. First, uh, what is abundant life? Really, what is it that Jesus came to give? How do we get it? And then, just to cast a little vision of what what we could look like, what we could look like if we lived out this abundant life that Jesus came to give we are looking at John 10, verses um, 7 through 21 this morning. It's on page 896, and the Bible's in front of you. If you'd like to turn there, if you don't have your own Bible, it'll also be on the screens for you as well. Feel free to use your mobile device. Page 896, John 10, 7 through 21. So Jesus again said to them, Truly truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, robbers but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone, anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it back up again. This charge I've received from my father. There was again division among the Jews because of these words and many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why should we listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, as we begin today, I just want to start by asking you a question, and don't say it out loud. Don't say your answer out loud. I just want you to have this answer in your mind as we look at this passage. What would it look like for you to have an abundant life? Like, if somebody were to ask you, are you living an abundant life, would you say yes or no? And if you said no, what do you think you need in life for it to be abundant? I want you to have that in your mind because we're all seeking to live some kind of good, abundant life. But oftentimes, our view of an abundant life is at cross purposes with what Jesus came to give. So keep that in your mind as we look at this question what is an abundant life? Now again, Jesus is, in this time, he's doing some teaching amongst the crowds and he's talking about himself in relationship to all other kind of religious teachers of that day and anyone that came before him or since. And he's using, he's blending together a bunch of different metaphors. Everything a seventh grade English teacher tells you not to do, Jesus does. And he blends together a bunch of different metaphors. He calls himself the door of the gate for the sheep pen. He also calls himself the shepherd. And in the midst of all of this, he is talking about this promise, this this thing that he came to do, this mission that he came into the world to give to everyone who has ears to hear and eyes to see. He says that he came into the world that they may have life and have it abundantly. And he contrasts himself with, like I said, other religious teachers, especially the day. The thief, he says, comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what other religious teachers do. They're out for your money. They don't really care about your welfare. They don't really care about you I, though, Jesus says, I came to do something different. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, what does Jesus mean by life and abundant life? Now, if we take our modern Western view of it, we could think that Jesus is promising us that we're going to have successful careers, that our children are going to get into Ivy League schools. Those aren't bad things. That we're going to be able to accomplish all the different things that we want in life. But that's not what Jesus is saying the abundant life is. Jesus is not so much concerned about us having a successful life, he's very concerned about us being successful in the things that make life really matter. And that's a big difference. So on one hand, I want to seek to try to clarify what Jesus is talking about here because it's the very things that you and I really, really need to be successful in that we really, really, really need to experience in life. All the other successes and stuff like that are just bonus points. And if you get the bonus points but not the substance, you've got no life. But if you have the life that Jesus came to really give and you don't have the bonus points, you still have life. So what did he come to give, abundant life? Jesus means at least three things by abundant life. The first thing that Jesus means by abundant life, and he references it here in this passage that he's able to lay down his life and take it back up again. The first thing that he means by abundant life is that you and I, that everybody who belongs to him would have resurrection life. Right after this, in the next chapter over, Jesus is gonna go to a funeral of one of his best friends, Lazarus who has just died died 4 days ago and he walks up to the grave he sees everybody crying he cries he's angry at the death of his friend and he says to the tomb he says to Lazarus who's dead in the tomb Lazarus come out and Lazarus comes out and Jesus tells Martha Lazarus sister I I am the resurrection and the life. And so what this means is that Jesus has come to do something that no other human being has ever been able to accomplish and no other human being has ever been ever to have the real audacity to promise and that is that when we die, if we belong to Jesus, we will live again. And not just in some wonderful place in heaven some place with Jesus after we die which is beautiful and wonderful but that these very bodies your very body your very self you will live again. Just like Jesus went into the grave and he came back out transformed he says that everyone who believes in him he has the power to do that very same thing with us. Resurrection life. What this means is that no matter the trials that we go through, no matter the difficulties that we go through, no matter the struggles that we go through, no matter the the disappointments that we experience in this very brief life, no matter the injustices or the crises or the diseases that we will face, we know how it ends with life, resurrection life. Someone very near and dear to my family just found out this last year that she has Lewy body dementia. She's already started to forget people that she loves. And doctors can tell us how the disease will progress. But what Jesus says, That might be how the disease progresses, but this is what I can do after the disease does its work. I can raise her up on the last day. I have a good friend, I don't think this makes it trifle at all, I think this puts it in perspective of a good, not a good friend, a guy that I know, a guy that I know. To try to keep the difficulties that he experiences in life and the cancer that is, the bouts of cancer that his wife has gone through, Try to keep that in perspective. If you ask him, how are you doing today? He will say, I'm not struggling from anything a good resurrection can't fix. It's the life that Jesus came to give. Now, Jesus' abundant life is not just something that's out there in the future. It's a life that we can experience and have right here, right now. Another way that Jesus is talking about life and having it abundantly is that you and I would actually have a vital, real, personal, unique relationship with the living God. Jesus says this in John 17 3. He says, And this is eternal life. That they know you the only true god and jesus christ whom you have sent it's a relationship with the living god to know god the very god of the universe to know him and to be known and loved completely and fully by him this is why you and i were made we were na- we were made for relationship with the living god and jesus has come Jesus has come to reintroduce us to that relationship and to bring us into that relationship and to take care of everything that needs to be taken care of so that you and I can be in that harmonious relationship with the living God. I just met a, a guy a couple weeks ago who's in a real crisis situation. And we started to talk. And he was wondering if I could meet with him just regularly sort of as a pastoral relationship, somewhat as a friend relationship, it's sort of mussy. But as we were talking about getting together and what we wanted to try to do together as we met, I asked him, could you tell me what's your relationship or what's your history with God been like? He said, well, I've been religious at times, really religious once. I even got my mom back into church. I said, just so you know, that's great. But I'm not interested in gathering together to try to help you become more religious. What I'm really deeply interested in is gathering together to help you cultivate a relationship with the living God. And there's a difference there. Jesus has come to create things and, and teach us to do things that are religious, right? We gather together for worship, we're going to baptize, and he does some things that are, have religion to them, but at the core of it, in the midst of all that he's given us to do, what he wants us to do actually, what he came for us to do is to actually have a real vital relationship with him, not to be religious, but to have a real vital relationship with him where we hear his voice and we know his voice and he calls us by name. Do you know Jesus in that kind of way? Do you know God in that kind of way? There's people in this room I know that are still wondering intellectually, is God really there? And it's really important to work through the intellectual side. I've done that myself as well. But you need to know that God's not somebody that we can prove in a laboratory. We just can't can't disprove him either but we can't prove him but God's not there for us to prove or disprove him God's there to be known to really truly be known the other people in the room that I think you have a relationship with Jesus that's similar to a relationship like that you have with George Washington You believe he existed, he's an important figure in history, and he did some really remarkable things, and thank God that he came and existed. But it doesn't really matter to you fully if George Washington ever really lived, it doesn't really change your life that much. Is your relationship with Jesus like that? Because that's not the kind of relationship that he came to give. It's a daily, moment by moment, knowing Jesus, living in relationship with him. Sometimes harmoniously, as we're following his voice, other times there's discord and we are able to come back in relationship with him, but it's always in relationship with him. If you're like one friend who came up to me after a service one day, Said, I don't know what you're talking about. I've not experienced what you're talking about a relationship with God. Please come up and talk to me right after the service or come to the prayer room. We would love to introduce you to Jesus and what it looks like to live a gospel inspired life in relationship with Jesus. The other way that Jesus talks about life is that we learn to live. We learn to live the way that Jesus lived. We get Jesus' heart. We start to care about Jesus' priorities. It's the right here, right now, new way of living in relationship with everybody else around us that looks more and more and more and more and more and more like Jesus. It's humility in the place of pride. It's generosity in the place of selfishness. It's forgiveness in the place of bitterness. It's gentleness in the place of harshness. It's self-control in the place of indulgence. It's patience in the place of a quick fuse. It's tenderness in the place of prickliness. It's wisdom in the place of foolishness. It's reconciliation in the place of fighting. It's boldness in the place of timidity. It's trust in the place in place of worry. It's compassion in the place of indifference. It's hope in place of cynicism. It's prayer in place of complaining. It's grit and perseverance in the place of quitting. It's love in the place of envy. And that's just scratching the surface. That's the kind of life that Jesus says you and I were made for. And he's came, he came so that we could learn how to live that kind of life with him at our center. How do we get it? Now, Jesus' original audience was filled with shepherds. I don't know any shepherds. Anybody here know any shepherds? I'm being Okay, good, good. Yeah, we got one. Oh, thanks, Lynn. Yeah, we've got one, right? So, shepherds are a unique breed, and they work with sheep that are a unique breed of animals as well. And Jesus, when he's talking about the shepherd and sheep and using all this imagery, he's tapping into a very strong theme in scripture. In some ways, there's a story of a lamb throughout all of scripture. Some of you know the, uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he gives me everything I need. A powerful, powerful psalm. Now, when Jesus is tapping into this, he calls himself the Good Shepherd, and it's actually repeated twice. Verse eleven: "I am the Good Shepherd," and then verse fourteen: "I am the Good Shepherd." What's all this imagery about the sheep and the shepherd all about? And Jesus is not just picking up on something, and he's not just picking up something. He's like, ah, oh, you know, I wonder how I can describe the relationship. It's what our relationship is like. I think I'll choose sheep. No, God's, Jesus is letting us know that God has designed sheep for a specific reason to teach us something about our relationship with him. And if you've been around pastors for some time, you may have heard pastors talk about how sheep are dumb and stupid. There's some leadership books, church leadership books, that talk about how sheep bite back and how sheep stink One commentator, though, puts his finger on the pulse of what the Bible's trying to do with the imagery of sheep and shepherd. We're not to see ourselves as dumb if we're called sheep, or stupid if we're called sheep, or insignificant if we're called sheep. Jesus is doing something very intentional here. This commentator says, I'm I'm often amazed at the intelligence of my golden retriever, but does that make my golden retriever better than a sheep? Other animals have specialized abilities like pigs, being able to smell things deep buried in the ground. Does that make pigs better than sheep? Other animals have superior strength like horses who can carry men and pull heavy loads. Does that make horses any better than sheep? Certainly not. Other creatures may have abilities and traits that seem greater than the humble sheep, but they lack this singular trait that sets sheep apart. Sheep are unique in their dependent relationship to the shepherd. This is not a deficiency, this is actually a blessing. This is a place of honor. See, sheep have little strength to defend against a predator, but that's okay because they enjoy the shepherd's strength and protection. Sheep worry little about the direction they are traveling and they get lost very easily if they don't have a guide because they enjoy the leadership of the shepherd. It is this trait, this trait of dependence on a shepherd, why God chose the sheep to demonstrate to us our relationship with God. See, to be dependent indicates a relationship. The dependence of the sheep and the shepherd does not point to a deficiency of sheep, but to the power, the protection, the provision of the shepherd. Sheep are well and at peace and at peace when they are under the care of their shepherd. And what Jesus is letting us know is that there is a direct relationship, a direct relationship to us experiencing an abundant life, living a gospel-inspired life. There's a direct relationship to us doing that and being dependent and recognizing our dependence on a good shepherd, Jesus himself. It's a strange thing in the Bible. I don't know if you've picked up on it at all. We were talking about it a couple weeks ago because I teach a course here called Spiritual Practices. And we were talking about prayer. And, you know, my, one of my goals as a father and, my goal, uh, and our goals as a mom and dad my, with my wife is to help raise our sons in such a way that they can be self-sufficient and leave the home and to start families of their own. That's one of our goals. We want them to be self-sufficient in those ways. That's a good thing. But if we take that kind of mentality and relationship to God, we're going to miss completely what God's all about. Because Jesus talks about how a mature person in Jesus isn't someone who's more self-sufficient. It's someone who recognizes and becomes more and more and more and more dependent. Jesus says that if you really want to understand the kingdom of God, you have to become like a little child. Not because children are cute and lovable and squishy and fun but because they're dependent on adults for absolutely everything that they experience in life. And for you and I to experience a gospel-inspired life and to really live a gospel-inspired life, we have to recognize and acknowledge and press into and embrace our deep dependence on Jesus, our Good Shepherd. We need to see ourselves as sheep. I don't know what to eat. I don't know where to go. I don't know what's best for me. I need somebody else to tell me and guide me. That's what it means to be a sheep. You and I will not experience... We will not experience a gospel inspired life or the abundant life that Jesus came to give if we treat Jesus as a consultant, not as a shepherd. If any of you have ever worked with a consultant, consultants are wonderful. They come in, they do a deep dive in your organization, and they'll tell you this is what we recommend for you to do to improve your organization. But guess what? Because they're consultants, you don't have to do a thing that they tell you to do. Not so with a shepherd. if we really recognize just how deeply dependent we are on Jesus, our good shepherd, we will listen to his voice in every area of our life and not ever treat him as a consultant. Why would we want to? Not because we've paid a ton of money to get his services, but because he's paid his blood for our good. Jesus makes this other link that what this means to treat him as a shepherd is that we we will listen to his voice. Verse 16, we will listen to his voice. See, there are consults and there are religious teachers and there are people all over the place populating uh, YouTube all over the place trying to teach you how to have the best life possible. How to be successful in life. And what Jesus is saying is you will experience a abundant life if you learn to listen to my voice. Now, again, I don't know shepherds. Maybe Lynn can help us with this and confirm, but what I've been told about shepherds and sheep is that sheep really can know the difference between their shepherd's voice and another shepherd's voice. Sheep can be trained to hear certain kind of whistles and tones that they know when their shepherd is there and when they're in a when they're in a pen and there's different flocks by different shepherds in one pen and their shepherd comes in and starts to talk and starts to call them their ears perk up and oh that sounds familiar and i go that i go towards that shepherd that's the imagery that jesus is using here a shepherd can call his sheep when they are mixed with all other kinds of herds and we know his heart We come to know his priorities and we can hear his correcting tone and we respond. One of our values as a church is to be inspired to transformation and we write it this way, we are motivated by the voice of God that speaks in a personal way to us through scripture, prayer and encouragement and challenge of fellow believers. I love that we're talking about this on the same day that we're doing baptism because in one way what baptism represents, it represents a lot of different things, but one thing it represents is the simple act of Jesus tells me to be baptized in following him and so I'll do it. I might not understand it all, I might not know all about the significance of baptism and, but this is what he tells me and so I'm going to do it in taking registrations for baptisms, we ask people to fill out a form online, and we ask the question, "Why do you want to get baptized?" And it's it's so encouraging to hear all the different stories. But two that just I want to reference here: one person getting baptized this morning says, "This I'd love to take this step, this step to share that I have given my life to Jesus and believe Him to be Lord and Savior." I was baptized as a baby and I grew up in a Christian home and the Lord truly captured my heart at a young age and I've been in awe of him ever since. He really is the center of my daily walk and my guide through all things. I desire to live a life that brings honor and glory to God and want to live, want to listen to his calling that we should be baptized as a believer once we put our trust and faith in him. Just simple listening and following. One person wrote this, just beautifully simple. I would like to be baptized because God's words tells me that that's the next step in following Jesus. We listen to his voice. We know his voice. And we do what he calls us to do. And one of the questions I have is, for you and for me as well, is that there any place, like right here, don't raise your hand, don't shout out loud, this is reflective again. Is there any place in your life Jesus isn't your shepherd right now. Or he's simply your consultant. Finances, sexuality. Any relationships? Work? So give you a moment. If something comes to mind, just silently right now in your heart, just tell Jesus about that and say. Jesus, I recognize you've been my consultant. Please forgive me. I want to follow you as my shepherd in this area of my life. And do what he asks you to do. Behind, why don't we, why don't we listen to God's voice? Why don't we treat Jesus as the good shepherd in every area of our life? One reason is sometimes we don't know the promises of God. We don't really know the Bible. We don't really know what God has told us. So I just want you to know, if you're in that spot where you're just like, I just don't know what Jesus has to say. Okay. Join a missional community with us. We get together twice a month. We read the Bible together. It's a great place to get to know people, to get to know people, belong and read and apply the Bible to your life. Anybody can come, no matter where you're at. You can go to our website, you can link up to a missional community in that kind of way. The other is more spiritual. When we're resisting the good shepherd in some place of our life, it's usually because we don't really see that Jesus is good. At least that's what's going on in my heart. I don't really see Jesus as good in this area. I wanna do it my way, I think my way is better, I think this person's way is better, I'm gonna do it this other way. And what Jesus tells us, he reminds us, in verse 14 and 15, I am the good shepherd, I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay him out of my life for the sheep. One of the things that's helpful to me when I'm in a battle of whether or not I'm gonna to listen to Jesus as my consultant or I'm gonna to listen to him as my shepherd, is I remind myself, would a consultant give their life for me? Because I want to listen to somebody who really has my best interests at heart. And if I ever wonder, and I do, when I wonder, I come back and say, Jesus is the one who lays down his life for me. Why would I not listen to him? Why would I not? Community. I want to be quick here. If we're a community of life, what's that going to look like? If some of these things are true for us, what's this going to look like for us? First and foremost, I think it means that every one of us every one of us, we all commit to listening to the voice of our shepherd. We all commit to that. That means knowing the Bible and reading the Bible. We all have that as a key component. We commit to listening to the voice of our shepherd. But then also, to be a community means that we're helping one another. And this is why missional communities or small groups or freedom groups or Christian Explored or the courses that we have here are so important because we're helping one another listen to the voice of Jesus. I don't hear the voice on my own. He speaks through the church. He speaks through you to me and me to you and through his scriptures Also, if Jesus is a shepherd over all of life, he also goes with us wherever we live, work, play, and learn. He is with us wherever we go. And if Jesus is a shepherd over every area of our life, that means he is also with us wherever we go. And you and I have this great and unique privilege of introducing more and more and more and more and more people to Jesus that would never heard about Jesus had you not been friends or in relationship with them. Talked to a friend this week, he told me a story. A guy from Faith Community, he's a sales manager at a larger business in the Twin Cities and he has a new employee that just joined his team in the last year. So he's been meeting with her and training her in on how to do sales as they do sales at their business. In the last couple months, um, she got pregnant, and she let the team know that she was pregnant. And as Providence would have it, she had a doctor's appointment on the same day when they had a reporting meeting where he was doing some coaching on sales and stuff like that. And she had time off to go visit the doctor, and she offered this. She said... I'm not actually going to my OB to get a checkup on the baby. I'm actually going to have an appointment to go to Planned Parenthood. And my friend said, God just sort of took over. And he started to talk to her about what Planned Parenthood does and how they depersonalize human beings. And then he said, that baby that you have that you're carrying is made in the image of God. What I want to ask you to do, he says, is would you please consider other options? Talked about options for women, which is in River Falls. We have a relationship with them, a partnership with them, and other things. He was taking a big risk. This is a reporting meeting. She left, and the conversation went well, and she, she left, and he was concerned all day and praying for her all day, and in the afternoon, the afternoon, he got a text from her saying that she did go to Planned Parenthood, and she's going to keep her baby. Now, I tell that story because here he was in a reporting meeting, and he's listening to the voice of his shepherd, who has a really, really big heart and compassion for other sheep without shepherds. And now he's talking to her about what his shepherd is saying. He's being obedient to the voice of his shepherd and she is learning to listen to the voice of a good shepherd. And I also mention that because right here, right now, it can seem as if the culture is totally against any kind of religion, all those kinds of things. But I also want to say that I have never seen a time like this at Faith Community, and I've been here since 2001, where more and more and more and more people are interested in knowing who Jesus is. Like really knowing who Jesus is. And you and I have this wonderful opportunity to introduce people to our Good Shepherd. Because as a community, we're not just about trying to help one another, follow Jesus as our good shepherd. We want thousands more to experience Jesus as their good shepherd. Like I said, I've been here since 2001 at Faith Community, and this last year, especially in Next Generation, but not just Next Generation ministry, we have experienced something that is utterly unique in my history here at Faith Community. This last year, we have seen over 22 kids and students say yes to Jesus in our ministries some of them are getting baptized today. It's a beautiful thing to see. We actually probably have more, so the 22 plus is sort of like a conservative number because we've been able to follow up with each one of these students and kids and say, did you really give your life to Jesus? Tell me more about that and talk with them. But a couple weeks ago, we had 29 students raise their hand, 29 kids raise their hand, say yes, I want to follow Jesus. This is an amazingly unique time for us. This is, we are made for this kind of moment. And what I want to encourage you to do is listen to the voice of your shepherd because he has you in places, he has you in relationships, he has you in work situations where he wants you to listen to him as he introduces more and more people who who are sheep without a shepherd to him. A community of life is looking outward to all the people that are sheep without a shepherd and we're saying, Jesus, let me listen to your voice and let me be introducing you to more and more people. This morning, we have 19 people who are going to be baptized. That's amazing. So, if I did the math right, and so this isn't Prince math, this is Porter math, I'm trying to get the numbers right here. If I did the math right, I think that, and Steve will correct me after this, but I think that's, that's 79 people that we've baptized this year. Okay? That's more than double than last year. And again, that's not, I mean, God's doing something, and what I'm trying to say is let's just keep up to what he's doing and not get in the way of what he's doing and celebrate what he's doing because he's doing something utterly unique at this moment. Let's keep it going. So, if you're here for bapti- if you're here for the first times uh, for a baptism, um, welcome again. And we do things just a little bit differently than maybe what you've done before. Uh, baptisms are really big deal to us. It's, again, it's one of my favorite times of the year, um, and. Uh, We believe that Jesus, what Jesus teaches, is that whenever whenever anyone repents, Jesus says, that angels celebrate and throw a party in heaven. And so what we try to do on Sunday morning when we do baptisms, we try to compete with the noise that they make in celebration in heaven okay or at least join in at least join in right and so what that means is this morning uh, pastor larry and some others are going to be doing some baptizing and uh, we're going to have a camera on them um, as while we're singing songs so You'll be able to see the words and also see the people getting baptized and pastor larry is going to ask them quietly in the tank you know uh, two questions uh, do you trust in jesus christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll see them nod or say yes And then say, and do you promise by his grace to follow him all the days of your life? In other words, to live the gospel-inspired life. And they say, yes. And then Pastor Larry will um, bring them under the water and say, "I I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And bring them down to the water and bring them back up. Now, when they come up, every person that comes up out of the water, we jump up out of our seats if we're able we jump up out of our seats and we just start to clap and cheer and celebrate new life. And every person who's chosen to get baptized this morning. And we sit back down and we do it again until we're done, okay? So again, what I say is you haven't done your squat workout today, you'll get your workout in today. Uh, turn your Fitbit on and you'll, you'll be tracking the calories, all right? We've also got, because this is such a big deal for us, this is a family celebration. We have our faith littles and we have our faith kids coming in uh, to celebrate with us as well, to cheer on some of their friends too. So uh, I want to pray for us and then we'll start singing and then we'll start baptizing, okay? Father, thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your kindness, for your steadfast love. You, Father, sent Jesus. Jesus, you willingly came And you willingly came for us that we would have abundant life at the great cost of your life, that you would raise us up again. And Holy Spirit, right now you are in us. Would you help us to worship? Would you help us to celebrate? Would you help us to delight in new life this morning? Thank you for everyone who's getting baptized this morning. May they feel and believe the deep goodness of God this morning. May we all